0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: This is being Bumo. A podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring but also willing to share with us how it really is because as we all know parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier a little less stressful and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Hi, Talitha. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Chriselle. Thanks for having me. It's so wonderful to connect. Before we jump into this conversation, which is something that I'm really excited to chat with you about, because I personally did not know a million things before becoming a, a new mother. And that's the main topic that we're going to be focused on today. But I wanted to hear a little bit more about your background for those uh, that are listening that might not know exactly what you do and what Claire's Health is. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and also Claire's Health.
0: Yes. Um, I am, uh, gosh, uh, grew up all over, like people say, where are you from? I grew up overseas, um, and then landed in Oklahoma and came to California to go to college. So I've been in California for over about twenty-five years, and um, I am. I've been at Claris now for twenty years, and I'm a mom of two little girls, um, one biological daughter who's thirteen. And then um, one daughter, who's nine, who came to us through a very open adoption. And so my parenting journey is a little different than, than others. But I first came to clarissa as a client. So I have a history of a pregnancy loss. So I've experienced, if you want to say, all, all of the options and have walked through that and just found the importance of needing community and support and somebody that's there. And that's really what clarissa says. We just walk alongside women and families through pregnancy situations. And then in the those critical years to come, um, the first sort of five years um, and often much longer because another child will come along. And so it's an incredible honor to lead an organization that supports moms. And along the way, I also became a doula, a labor and a postpartum doula. So I have experienced and seen motherhood in so many different situations, working with some of the vulnerable and often marginalized women through Claris and then also having doula clients who are celebrities. And so I've seen just moms that have a lot and moms that don't and just the common themes that just run through each of us, regardless of our background or our current situation.
1: So how did you go from being a client at Claris Health uh, to now the CEO of Claris Health? It's a good question. I, so when I,
0: I was in college when I was a client and I went through one of their support groups and they asked if I would volunteer. And I'm one of those people that sort of says yes to, um, to a lot of things and started volunteering, never imagined it would be something that I would eventually feel called to. I just knew I wanted to help other young women who were like me, who've been through situations like mine. And about a year after I um, graduated, they approached me and said they didn't have a... It was a director position at the time. I was 23. And I thought they were crazy. And I ran from it for quite a while. That I just graduated from Pepperdine. I have student loans. I can't take this you know, position. At the time, it was a very small organization. Our budget was $90,000. It was a part-time position. And... The door opened up for me. I actually um sort of a funny story. I got a call from Chuck Norris, the actor. And he and his wife were having twins, and they wanted somebody to be with the babies at night, sort of what used to be called a night nurse position. And I thought, well, the only way I can work nights for them is if I have a part-time day day job. And so I ended up saying yes, having no clue. I mean, as most 23-year-olds, I really had no idea what I was doing, but I said yes, and it ended up being. The best decision of my life, and so in a lot of ways, I say I grew up with Claris, and we um, are now our budget's two million. We're a licensed medical clinic. We have a mobile clinic, and just the expansion through West and South LA has been incredible to witness. And
1: I feel like I've sort of been along for the ride with with them. So pretty much anyone that is about to become a new parent or is in a position where they need more support. You guys, you guys are kind of a resource for really anybody, right?
0: Yeah. So we do medical mental health and support services for pregnant women and families. So, but we also have, uh, we do STD testing and um, with the rise of just homelessness and some of the other concerns in our city we expanded a bit and, and launched a mobile medical clinic. So we go into housing communities and partner with other agencies. So our our target, you know, client is still or patient is still, you know, a woman who thinks she might be pregnant or who is. Um, but we do we have expanded, you know, to reach men as well. So um, yeah, anyone. We have no. There are no um, sort of stipulations to come to us. You don't have to prove income. You don't have to live in a certain zip code. I think that's one of the beauties of being a nonprofit that's privately funded as we can see anyone. So we are there for anyone that needs help. And for some, it's just, they need um, a verification of pregnancy. Others need full prenatal care. Some just need therapy. Um, Others just need parenting classes or court mandated classes. So there's lots of different entry points why somebody might come to us.
1: That's incredible because especially when it comes to new parents that are about to become parents, there's a lot of hurdles that you have to get through and that they're about to face that a lot of people don't talk about, which is the reason why that I want to bring you on board here, because there are so many struggles that I personally did not know that new parents, especially new moms had to face. So I would love to talk about them if you're open to it. And that is the things that people don't really tell you about before becoming a new parent, the struggles, right? So I don't know, and this is mainly for newborns. So the struggles, no one talks about after having a newborn. Um, So I don't know if there's anything that really comes to mind, like the first few struggles or that are pretty commonplace that people come to see you guys for. I would love to hear that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the people that come to Claris, I think some of the big struggles, a lot of the individuals that we serve are parenting alone or parenting in very difficult relationships. And so I think one of the struggles is just that feeling isolated or feeling as if you have no support. And I think um, as moms, I think we know just the power of knowing that your baby's okay, or, you know, they're choking in the middle of the night and you don't know, are they going to stop breathing? Or is this normal? Or, you know, all these little um, things that affect us being able to have somebody to sort of bounce ideas off of somebody to sort of walk through that journey with you. So I think a lot of them, when they come to us, that's the greatest thing they need is just the support system and knowing that what they're, you know, feeling or experiencing is okay. But on the flip side, I think a lot of, you know, regardless of whether you're parenting alone or you're in a committed relationship or you're married, whatever, whatever the situation is, a lot of those questions we all have. And a lot of times, you know, your husband or a partner doesn't have the answer and they don't necessarily know. And I think, you know, one thing I've noticed in a lot of the years is a lot of parents, we try to parent from our head. You know, you read all these books before the baby's born or you're reading online and then you have this actual tiny human and suddenly none of that makes any sense.
1: No, you forget I, All the books that you've read, I was definitely one of them. Yeah.
0: And you can't, I think I was, you can't parent from your head, right? So much of it is your heart and your gut. And I will say sometimes, you know, we work with really young moms and sometimes they, it's easier for them to parent from their gut because they just don't know. So they just go, well, the baby seems fine or they seem unhappy. Let me solve what is making them unhappy. Versus the more educated moms. Sometimes we try to think could be this, it could be this, it could be this. We run to the internet. We're thinking, oh my gosh. You know, so I think there are a lot of um, struggles. And I think that the main thing I was thinking of as you asked the question is that for so many women, when you choose to parent and you feel that you know, this is the thing you've wanted so much, you know, for so many women, they've gone through infertility and, you know, suddenly you have this baby and you think it's going to be the best thing in the world for you. And in those first few weeks, for some, it feels overwhelming. It feels, and I think I've seen some women struggle with, I thought this would be different. And now I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, some embrace it and they're so happy. And those first few months are just bliss, but more than often women are exhausted They've lost connection. They're, you know, this tiny baby is, you know, sort of, for lack of better, taking over. <laughs> and I think sometimes they struggle with, is it me? What's wrong with me? And am I hurting this baby? <laughs>
1: or yeah, not- I absolutely agree with you. I think the number one thing that is really overlooked after, especially independent women, like women that naturally are like, oh, I got this. I, you know, I, I could do this on my own. It's a piece of cake. I was definitely one of them. Once you have a baby, you're just like, oh wow, I I don't know. I don't I don't have the skills or the experience that I thought I would have. So am I doing this right? So a lot of questions and doubts do come up. And that is when you can lean on to your community. And I've always been the type of person that never really thought community was important. Like I always heard about it, but I was like, oh no, like I've I've been able to be fine without a community. So I got this. But once I became a mom, I'm like the one that's like, everyone's have to have, they all have to have a community. Like no one can do this alone. And it's so important because a lot of women go into postpartum depression. They go into these kind of rabbit holes of, I don't know, am I, am I, is this for me? And it could get really lonely. And especially during the pandemic, I would imagine that women struggled a lot because one, a big part of being a new mom is being able to connect with other people and other new moms and be able to kind of develop those friendships and those relationships that were kind of stripped away this past year. And so I do agree. Community is so incredibly important for, for the new mom. It's like for the mental mental health, I would say, right?
0: Yeah and it you know during the pandemic I mean I'm glad you brought that up because generally I, when I work with women especially in um post in the postpartum doula world I always talk about there's you know there's baby blues that most people feel just I remember when I left the hospital with my daughter and I got I was walking through cedars and I saw my reflection in the in the window and my stomach was you know I remember walking in and I had this baby and then I'm walking out and the baby's in a car seat ahead of me and we, I sat down in the car and I thought, what have I done? Like they're giving me this baby. And I was a doula, I'm like I know what I'm doing. And I remember just this cloud, right? This like dark cloud for a minute. And then we got home and somebody had left a basket of food on my doorstep. And just that little tiny gesture. It's like, oh, no, this is great. And then I was the type of person that needed a lot of visitors. I needed people to come over. So then the pandemic hits. And I think I worked 327 out of 365 days overnight with families because their family wasn't coming. So you had a lot of women who planned on their mom coming and helping them. And then the pandemic hits and they're all alone. And I would say more than ever, I mean, a lot of times I would show up at the home and they just wanted to talk. They just wanted somebody to talk to for, wasn't even about the baby always. I mean, mostly it was, was, but um, one woman said, I know I'm supposed to be sleeping, but I just need human connection. And so for a lot of people, I became that person that, you know, they could talk to and it was sweet. And I thought about so many women who didn't have that. Um, And so we, you know, at Claris, we tried to maintain that sense of community however we could, whether it was, you know, virtually or us going to where they were and meeting them so that because a lot of them, they were already in tough spots and then you suddenly isolate. It it became tough. So we had to get real creative and and go to them.
1: We all know that the school year will be filled with transitions. So whether your kids are going back to school or logging into a classroom virtually from home. And as parents, I know, I know, it can be time-consuming to give your kids the extra help that they might need this school year. Well, here's a bit of help for you. Hands-on science and art projects you can get delivered right to your door called KiwiCo. I was even surprised how much I love this as an adult. So I've worked on several projects already from KiwiCo with my oldest daughter, Chloe. But most recently, I've actually worked on a new project with my three-year-old daughter, Colette, and that was Space Search. It was a space-themed koala crate. We made a sensory box full of felt shapes like rockets and stars and learned about space through tactile play. Then you decorated your crate using planets stickers and you painted it yourself. I mean, it was so much fun. She was so engaged with the project for, I would say at least an hour. I love that it was an easy enough project for my three-year-old to do on her own with a little bit of guidance, but really different than what she is usually used to. We've done many, many crates with my oldest daughter, Chloe, but this was Colette's first crate and she loved it so much. It was also her first time learning about the solar system. And now she keeps pointing to any object's, the sky asking if it's Mars. (laughs) I just ordered her the baking and fractions project and the mini cake decorating one because it's her birthday. She asked for more projects. So I just ordered her the baking and fractions project and the mini cake decorating one since her birthday is just around the corner. Your child can get super cool, hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to your door every month. They'll be so excited to see these arrive in the mail. You'll be surprised at how high quality the materials are too. These are real engineering science and art projects for your children. You can now cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on projects every single month. And look, I know it's hard sometimes to find creative ways to keep your children busy and challenged and KiwiCo does a legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together there's something for kids of all ages everything is shipped right to your door and there's no commitment so you can pause or cancel at any time KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with code BUMO at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com with promo code BUMO, B-U-M-O.
0: Hey friends, my name is Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries.
1: I'll interview up and comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Yeah, it just reminds me how important just having an outlet is because you know, I I am a huge believer in therapy. I'm in therapy myself pretty much like all year round when times are good, I'm in therapy when times are bad. I'm in therapy, but mainly because not that I'm in therapy because I'm having like aha moments left and right, but it, it puts me in a place where I could continue to practice to be like speak my mind, right? Because I'm naturally a a bit more introverted. Funny enough, me having a podcast, um, I have to talk all day, but like my natural being is being more introverted and to myself. So what therapy does is it allows me to, to kind of practice speaking out loud, speaking how I feel, the experiences that I'm going through. And that is Like when you're able to have a friend over or another mom that just had a baby, that's a form of therapy that that is being able to just speak your mind and your experiences. So I think that is so important that, and you know, not that I'm saying like everyone needs to, you know, find a therapist, but any form, any relationship where you could actually just speak your mind and tell stories. I think that is so important to have, not just for yourself as a mom, but for yourself as a human. Um, It's really, really healthy, I think.
0: Definitely. I know one of the things that we started a couple of years ago, and I think you're in LA, so you know that our infant and maternal mortality rates are insanely high. And
1: Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So especially among, in the African-American community, the highest, um, our rates are I believe I, the statistic is escaping. See, I worked all night, so now, you're getting me fresh after not sleeping. Uh, I, I'll get the exact number, but um, we have some of the highest numbers, and and it really doesn't matter what they've discovered, as it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status matters far less than, um, sadly, your racial and eth- ethnic status. So we um, years ago were on a county committee in L.A. that said this is a major problem these babies are not making it to their first birthday and women are dying in childbirth and that should not be happening. And so they've identified several um, things that trigger that or sort of contribute to that. And one is stress, sort of a big umbrella would be racism, but there's a mistrust in the medical community and stress and it leads to babies that are born prematurely and low birth rates. And and so then we looked okay, what are what are things that combat this? What do we know? Well bonding, breastfeeding is great, having a medical community where you feel heard and trusted and then walking through this with others. And so there's a prenatal program called Centering Pregnancy and it's based on a model of group prenatal care. So exactly everything that we're talking about. The idea that when we're alone, especially if you walk into a visit or say a doctor's visit, you're in t- it's intimidating. It was intimidating for me. Mm-hmm. I ended up making some very different choices in who I saw when I was pregnant based on the fact that I was intimidated. I didn't feel like I could answer all my questions in the three and a half minutes that were allotted, right? I didn't want to be. So But for a lot of the patients we serve, they don't have that luxury. So we launched the Centering Pregnancy in 2018. And what happens is every visit that you go to, you are grouped. So you have your first visit, say you're eight to 10 weeks pregnant, and then you're put in a group with women that are all due within one month of you. And every visit after that, you do as a group. And so every week you're in a circle, and the visits are about an hour and a half. They include, well, pre pandemic, they included food. So we would um, talk about healthy eating and we they would eat. They would have um, time where they got to pick topics so they could just write on the board what they want to talk about. And it could be swollen ankles or it could be um, relationship issues with my partner or parenting alone, whatever it was. So they would bring that up. Then they do the education. So what you're getting is you're getting childbirth education, you're getting therapy, you're getting nutrition. And what I love is every. Um, mom in the program starts to, they take ownership of their own pregnancy as well. So they do their own weight. We show them how to check their blood pressure. And then they have like 10 minutes alone with a provider where she'll do the fundal check or do the Doppler or they'll have an ultrasound, whatever it is that they need at that stage. But everything else is done in the group. And what are, we have a nurse midwife that runs it. And what I love is she says, most of the time I never answer the questions they answer it for each other because mm. they actually know the answer but they doubt it for themselves but when you speak it for someone else you realize oh I already knew that answer you know obviously the medical things the providers there for but it's so sweet and then they switch after so then they give birth they come to their six week checkup and then they join what we Call like our centering mama. So then they go into the post group together. And through the pandemic, the saddest thing is that we lost for a while that face to face connection. And that was really hard to recreate virtually. So we did everything we could to get that back um, up and running. And in all our, you know, I think it's been a full two full years that we did the program um all of our babies have had incredible outcomes you do have to stay low risk so if some if the pregnancy becomes high risk we transfer them but then they're able to stay in touch with us for all the education so i feel that that model if we could translate that around the nation and more women could opt into that type of prenatal care, I think we really could make a dent, not just in the infant and maternal mortality rates, but also in the postpartum depression.
1: I mean, I'm a huge believer in that. Um, It's very similar to what we've created at Bumo, um, especially Bumo Work, because what essentially it is, is bringing all kind of similar, or I guess parents that are in the similar boat, which is parent working parents, right? And you kind of put them all in one room, one building and their kids are on the other side. And yes, of course they are getting work done, but half the time they're just talking to each other and they're connecting and they're communicating because you know, a lot of the times when you're like for me personally, when I was um, building Boomo, a lot of stay-at-home moms, which are a lot of my close personal friends are stay-at-home moms, they would want to do, you know, random play dates like on a, a Tuesday at like noon. I'm like, oh no, I, I can't do that. And I would I feel guilty because I just couldn't be at any of these functions that these women were hosting. And so it's very... It's incredible what what can happen when you put like-minded people, not just like-minded, but people that are in the same boat and they kind of figure it out together and create that community. So it's it's strangely very parallel to what we've created here at Bumawa as well. I guess after you have kids, you're dealing with kind of like people once they're about to step into that new territory. And then we're handling the parents that are, you know, figuring out now, how do I balance work, parenting and, you know, My future. So
0: I love, I love that. I think that's incredible. And I think you hit, you hit the head on the nail of, you know, a a big thing of becoming a mom, which is what kind of a mom am I going to be? Am I going to be a working mom? Am I going to stay home? And, you know, for some, it's a choice. And for others, there's, you know, there isn't a choice. You have to, you have to work. And I think personally was shocked at the divide between, the stay-at-home mom and the working mom, and it just happens because, like you said, you're not available. I'm not available on a Monday for a play date or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Or, and I think there, know yeah, I feel like people talk about there's this tension, but a lot of it's just internal. Whether you're the stay-at-home mom, you're wondering should you be doing this, and maybe you're fulfilled, maybe you're not. If you're working, you're wondering, you know, am I screwing my kid up forever? Like, you know. Yeah. Are they going to hate me because I work and you're in two different places? And and then the, your kids say things. I mean, I remember my daughter when she was five, I picked her up from kindergarten one day and she's bawling in the backseat of the car. And she's like, nobody else's mommy has to work. and You're always working. And I thought, oh, she's going to be in therapy forever, blaming me. And then she's, you don't have to work. I mean, she cried for like 45 minutes. Aww. And I thought, you know, this, and then couple of days later, I said, are you, know, is it, does it really bother you that mommy works? And she said, what are you talking about? Like she did not even remember. <laughs> the episode. So I think sometimes it's very, you're like, are you serious right now? <laughs> for three days, I, I called the therapist and said, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? And is my kid going to hate me? And, you know, cause I think we're looking for labels because we, you know, in a lot of ways, I think we, I want to punish myself. Like, what am I doing? And, but then I think it's so great when you come to a place of realizing, every mom, we're just doing the best that you can. You really are. Like yeah. right? we're all just really trying. And we're gonna fail. We're all gonna fail. And so the, and then you have kids who are going to say things that make you feel even more guilty. And then they're gonna say things that make you realize, oh my gosh, I, I'm I'm doing the best that I can. And it's working, you know, so celebrate the victories and don't beat yourself up in those moments.
1: I love that. I mean, I feel like I could do a whole just episode in itself about stay at home moms versus working moms. And I think you are right. We've kind of put this divide and these labels up for ourselves, you know, and it's mainly because of the schedule differences that a lot of stay at home moms and working moms can't really hang out. Right. But personally most of my friends are stay-at-home moms and I'm like the token one that is always working, but nonetheless, we have a wonderful connection because we understand each other and we don't judge each other about that. Right. And so I think it just comes down to, you know, everyone has, if you have a choice, I think that's the number one thing, right? Not everyone has a choice. But if you do have a choice, you shouldn't be judged for one or the other, right? And even if you don't have a choice, right? And you have to work. And that is for kind of, you know, for the like, if you don't work, then how are you going to eat, right? And so I think the bottom line here is that it doesn't matter. Everyone has their own story. And we're all moms at the end of the day. Um, we all love our kids equally the same. And we're all trying our best. Our circumstances do look different. Um, and I think we all still want the same things for our kids. Right. And for ourselves is to be happy and raise happy children, (laughs) healthy children. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. Like I, I've gone through, that was actually one of the things that I wasn't expecting actually after becoming a new mom was the amount of guilt that I felt for working. And that was definitely something that I was not prepared for because I've always prided myself in being this career woman and always kind of being independent. But then once I had this child, all of a sudden I felt guilty for feeling that way and loving my job and wanting to work because I did have that choice. I was lucky enough to have that choice of, okay, do I work or do I not work? But I chose to work. And that decision actually made me feel so guilty. And that was something that I didn't expect. Obviously, I've, you know, six years into it, now I've come to terms with it. Um, But sometimes I still find myself being like, oh, like, I wish, I wish I was a a bit more available for the kids to do this pickup or that pickup or whatnot. But I think we all just kind of have to check ourselves at the end of the day. I don't know if you have any other things that you've experienced that you weren't expecting once you became uh, a new mom. So for me, it was the amount of guilt that I had for working. Another one that I could share is the the amount of relationship struggles right after giving birth. That was definitely an eye-opener for me because no one really prepped me for that. I always knew that, oh yeah, there might be some dry periods, but the dynamic changes a lot after you have a kid. And that was a big surprise to me, and really trying to figure out what this new dynamic is, right? with your partner?
0: yes, yeah. i I mean, I can relate so much to both that the guilt runs through parenting in in a lot of aspects. And um I, I can remember one situation where, well also i think what was shocking to me was how difficult it would be to find childcare and then the juggle between i'm yes i'm choosing to work and then i'm trying to have somebody that's there for the baby and then just the struggle and the dynamic of that and i do remember one day the i think the guilt was really hard when they were so tiny because i actually loved that stage i'm one of those that loves the baby stage and so like, oh, she's so sweet. And then I'm handing her over and I'm going to work. But then the toddler stage hit and the guilt pretty much went away when I'm leaving and they're screaming. And I was sat in my car and I remember one day just shut the door and I went and got my coffee and I had a call and I thought, actually, I kind of like this. You know, I don't mind. And great, my daughter is being attended to and she's having fun. And she's going to the park and I get to do this. And so I felt like I came to this place where I was able to somewhat compartmentalize me. Like when I'm with her, I can be more present because I do have this outlet. What I wasn't prepared for was at the time I became a mom, then work got insanely crazy. And, and we're only working nonprofit. It's all consuming. And so being able to wear a lot of hats, but not really feeling like you're ever doing anything really well. And I think I still sometimes struggle with that where I'm not fully present with the kids, but then I'm not fully present in a meeting because I'm getting called and just the dynamics and that, I think were kind of surprising. And Relationship wise, I think there's so much people don't talk about. I feel like um, I get to sort of see inside a lot of homes. I get this sort of inside view, and I do. I see just the loss of connection. I see and I experience just the differences like when you're together but you don't have a child you can kind of be like well you were raised this way and I was raised this way and you do this but it doesn't it all hits home when you're raising a child and you're trying to make decisions about a child together and how do you feel about discipline and how do you feel about school and how do you feel about church and all these things and I feel like um, for me my husband at the time we I mean it was it was really hard the older she got The first year almost felt like this breather and then all of a sudden she's older and you realize like we just had very different public school, private school, you know, preschool or no preschool, you know, all these discipline. How do you discipline? Who's more patient? I didn't think I kind of thought I would be a more patient parent than I am. And that was shocking to realize I don't have a lot of patience the older my kids got, you know, and then we had, um, we had our oldest Riley and then tried for several years to have another one. And that was surprising. I still to this day, don't know why. Um, And I think then you add that to a relationship and that's really tough because I think there's, you know, for me, I didn't want my kids to be so far apart. I always, I have a There's four in our family and it's like two sets of 18 months apart. And I thought, oh, three years is this perfect gap. As if you can just plan that, like, oh, that would be so great. And then all of a sudden my daughter's turning four and we still didn't have another baby. And, you know, just that, those struggles. And then miraculously we did, our our adoption, sometimes I don't share this because I know there's people that wait for years, but our story is crazy and that she in a way came to us. And her birth mom story came to us and we ended up matching. But that in itself, I mean, that, that adds such a dynamic to a relationship. Um, trying to get on the same page about that. And then all of a sudden you have a baby, which talk about is so weird because you feel fine. I mean, she was born also at Cedars. And then we, my daughter was graduating from pre-K that same day. So, we went from the hospital to the pre k graduation went out to lunch, and I'm like, "This is so great because I didn't give birth. I'm not breastfeeding, like I can do whatever you know, so all the things that with with the first is such a big deal adoption was was incredible, but it had its own you know challenges, and we're still very much in relationship with her birth mom and her dad occasionally as well. so there's those dynamics she knows she's adopted,
1: yeah, I mean it's complicated, right? Like once you commit to bringing a newborn in, whether it's, you know, via birth or adoption, it changes the dynamic so much. And as you kind of talked about, all these things do come out. And when you're dating or when you're together without a kid, you're like, oh yeah, like, you know, childhood stuff. Okay, like we could work through it. But then it really shines the light on these certain traumas that maybe one has endured or um, that hasn't really closed or come to terms with. It all really comes out and not to scare any new parents that are about to give birth that are listening to this right now, but it is something to to think about because when you are raising a little one, it brings you back to kind of your childhood and your upbringings. And a lot of that is triggered during these times. And so one of my biggest advice is, you know, getting into therapy if you can before giving birth, right? And being able to kind of have this open line of communication and practicing the these tools before actually get bringing a child into this world. I know I didn't do that. And it's something that I wish that maybe I, I could have done before. But of course, you know, that's all in hindsight. But yeah, and I also have a friend who have, we all we all thought she was going to be the first one to have kids out of our friend group, but she is the last one. And she quite frankly is now like, I don't think I want kids anymore. <laughs> I have seen all of you guys go through it and I've seen the struggles that come with it with relationships and, you know, that dynamic. And so I don't blame her for that. But at the same time, I'm like, there are there are ways and tools and things that you could kind of be ahead of before actually diving into this situation. I'm sure that you you see that all the time with kind of your line of work with Claire's Health, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, I love that you you brought up the suggestion of therapy because I think that's so key when you become a parent. And and I would suggest that your partner also go through therapy. I think that's huge. Your your roles are changing, your responsibilities changing. And it is, it does, it kicks up in the air a lot of your own childhood things that maybe you didn't even realize um, whether it's triggering. I think for some women, I know like because I had had an abortion in my past and I, I really, you know, in a lot of ways, processed that and was fine, but then, and had a baby and everything's great. And then all of a sudden I can't have a baby. And then all of a sudden these feelings of like, oh my gosh, is this, is this my fault? Is this my punishment? Is it, you know, so things come up if you've lost a child in the past, stillbirth or miscarriage, whatever it is, like processing that and having somebody there. The other thing I think is so key is to not forget that first you are you're important. Just you not as a mom or a wife or a partner or whatever, you're important. And then finding ways to continue to grow and have outlets in that. So I think I I watched so many women where once they become a mom, that is their whole identity. And they, they feel guilty when they go to the gym or when they go out with friends or... And I would say don't feel guilty for prioritizing you and then don't feel guilty for prioritizing your relationship. I think, you know, having consistent date nights or having ways that, because I think what I see happen with a lot of couples is all of a sudden the kids become more important than the other person, whether that's true or not just life takes over. And when you work, I think I would say for working moms in a lot of ways, this is a challenge because you're not with your kids while you're working often unless you have a great situation like yours where I'd love to work there, but, um, but most of the time your kids are not with you. Then you go home and you feel like I need to be with my kids because I'm not with them all the time. And then there's this other person like, and then eventually I'll spend time with you. And I think there has to be a way to prioritize you, your partner, your children, like to make sure they're not first doesn't mean you don't love them. It means you love them so much that you know you need to be healthy and Mm -hmm. in a good place and in a healthy relationship to then parent from that.
1: I think we've normalized parents becoming the martyr and especially moms where they feel like they've given up everything. And so it's almost like this badge of honor, which is pretty wild to think about because... Yes, you gave up so much, but you also gave up yourself along the way. And that shouldn't be something to be proud of. And look, I I was one of those women, right? I was miserable and depressed uh, silently without anyone really knowing, right? Because I had to always put on a happy face, especially with the line of work that I do, and also just struggles with my, my relationship. And I would just kind of avoid all of that by just... Continuing to be the best mom that I could be, thinking that like that would make me feel better, and honestly, at the moment it did, but in the long run it didn't. And I think it's so important that we think of ourselves now, right? You're not going to get a badge of honor. You might get a uh, an honor, not an honor, but you might get. A badge of depression in the long run, if you continue to to act this way, right, and it's something that I want i've been trying to normalize more by having these conversations of no, like you can be selfish, it's not selfish to think about yourself right you you should be thinking about yourself and just figuring out what makes your cup full, whether it's like a date night with your partner or you know hanging out with girlfriends or I don't know, just like having one full day without your phone or the kids or the husband or anything. And everyone should honor that because it's going to fill you up and you're going to be able to run the marathon. And it's, I always say it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I, I'm a huge believer in that. Yeah.
0: That's such a great way. It is. It is a marathon and you need to pace yourself you know, and find, I remember when my daughter was, my first was, I think she was four months old, a bunch of girls I had, like you, most of my, I had, I think I had the baby, I had my baby first. And then a friend had a baby six weeks later, everyone else was still single. And um, they invited us to go to Palm Springs for this girls weekend. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so my friends, and so we brought, A cooler. We had a cooler and we had both had our pump. (laughs) And I remember, you know, leaving my daughter and it was so good because I needed to not be the only one that knew how to soothe her and calm her. And leaving her with her dad for a weekend was so great. They had a great time. I mean, you know, I got a few phone calls, but he really, was able in taking care of her like that, I was able to trust him and I and I would leave her. And I had so many friends who were shocked that I did that. And I think there were and I don't sometimes I don't even think people are trying to judge you. They're just like, I can't believe you left and you have this baby. And um I came home with like 80 ounces of milk. And you know, but it was so fun to just get away and I remember thinking I wish more women did this. And I've told so many women, they'll call me and say I have this opportunity but I can't do it because I have a baby. Like why not? You know, and I could have brought her, but you know, I thought no this is a really good opportunity for her to have some bonding with her dad for me to get away. And so I think just having permission to say, you know what? It's okay to do that. It's okay. You're you're still a good mom you know, if you take some time for you, is like super important.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I love when I see other moms like going out and they're like, yeah, I just left the kids at home with my partner. And I'm like, good for you. You know, they they could handle it and you deserve this. And they're just like having their drinks, having the time of their lives. I have a few few mom friends that are like that, that are really good about that. And I love that they're normalizing that, right? And I think we should, we should definitely give the men or your partners in your life, the responsibility to not carry the burden all on yourself. Okay, so I want to end this conversation with a little rapid fire. And it doesn't have to be rapid fire, but it could just be more short-winded answers. I usually end the podcast with these things, these questions, because I personally am very curious about kind of these products and things that you use. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, And whatever comes to mind, like the first thing. It doesn't have to make any sense either. Okay. Your most used parenting-ish product. So it could be parenting. It doesn't have to be parenting. It could be any product that you use the most.
0: Am I answering this for when
1: they were little? Uh, sure. Whenever. Uh, pacifiers. Oh, yeah. Which pacifier do you use? So I love the MAM.
0: Those little, little almost like butterfly looking ones. Uh-huh. But now I love the bibs. If those circle ones, they stay in their mouth. I'm all about it staying in the longest,
1: so. I have to say that the pacifier with my second has been a real struggle because I cannot get her to stop using her pacifier and she's almost three and I'm just like, okay, girl, like we need to, once you turn three years, I, I keep telling her, I'm like your three-year-old birthday is coming up. I'm going to say bye-bye to your passy, and she'll think about it and she'll be like, I don't want to be three. And I'm like, (laughs) you're turning three. (laughs) You have no choice. (laughs) So yes, the pacifier for me too. It's probably one of my most used product, but also it's it's brought a little stress into my life now uh, as we're trying to figure out how to wean it, which is interesting because my first never ever use pacifier oh wow. yeah oh. but we like the she likes the wubba wubba nubs it has that little stuffy mm-hmm. at the end she like sleeps with it and cuddles with it yeah. yeah you have to like i'm yeah. like why don't we cut it off yeah. and you could still have the the doll but no paci. She's yeah like, i don't want to be I know. <laughs> it's i
0: always tell people you can't cut their thumb off if they you know, if they, some suck, you know, some people are like, I hate the pacifier. I'd rather they suck their fingers. I'm like, well, you can't cut their fingers off, but you can cut the passy. But then I'm like, Oh, I did that. And it's brutal. Yeah. The getting rid of it. There's a window. And if you miss the window, <laughs> it's like, I definitely missed the window.
1: So now I'm like, wait, should I just let her, should I just let her I mean, at some point, she's going to not want to do it anymore, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah.
0: You can always set. we always had a rule like in your crib only, you know, the first year you can have it whenever, second year is crib only. Yeah. And the third year, it was like, it's got go. <laughs> yeah. to go.
1: Yeah. Painful. The clock is ticking for yes. me. Yes. yeah. Okay, what is your go-to re- recipe on a busy day? Go-to recipe on a busy day, taco salad. Ooh,
0: for the kids too?
1: Oh, no. <laughs> no.
0: My, I was like, wow. No, that's me. My kids, uh, oh gosh, it's
1: probably like pasta with butter, like butter pasta, butter noodles. Butter pasta. I always tell people there's a reason why every restaurant has the exact same kids menu. It's butter pasta mm. and chicken nuggets. Yep. <laughs> And that's literally all they need. Mac and cheese. Yep. And then we'll throw some broccoli or they have to eat something carrots. But um, I know I find that we, they eat way too much. Same. (laughs) Best parenting hack or tip. So
0: I love, I'm all about sleep, all about, so I'm like a sleep trainer, right? So my, I'm all about sleep associations and like where they sleep and, and not rigid scheduling, but scheduling. So, my tip is silk, it's bizarre, silk blanket. So, I have this company I use with these little tiny silk blankies, and they say that silk feels like the lining of the uterus. So, it's very familiar. So, the baby has been sort of up against the silky feeling the whole time in utero. So when you're getting them used to sleeping in, you know, their own little space, whether it's the snoo or whatever, I lay this little silk blankie and they lay on top of it. And pediatricians all tell me it's fine, even though they can't tell you it's fine, but they, you know, and so their head is on top of it. So what happens is they get super from that feeling of silk is very familiar and soothing and moms, when you're nursing the baby, you can put it on you. So it smells like you. So then they have their own load. and then what happens is they get so used to that so when they lay down they feel their silk they have their passy if they need it and then go to sleep and so then you can transfer it with you. so instead of needing you know if the Webaneb if it was like the little animal and then the passy you could get rid of one without the other you know so my my kids both slept with their silks and their babies all around. Los Angeles. Who all? I have a. I just ran into some twins I worked with that are like 17, and um, the mom said, "You know, I won't even tell you how long they slept with those silky blankets, (laughs) and they loved it." So my daughter still has one. My nine-year-old,
1: and you know, she when we travel, she's like, "I have to take my silky." So that's so cute. I've never heard of that. That is that is really incredible advice. And I personally love a good silk pillow, so I know it's great for the hair.
0: You know everything, so yeah. I use this company called Ali Zaba, and I helped. She was a mom friend whose baby wasn't sleeping, and I said, "Just get a piece of silk." And she's it was like genius for her baby. So she started the companies are making the blankets into the fashion district and bought
1: silk and just tested it out. And here, you know, her daughter's, I think, going to college right now. Another thing that they don't tell you after giving birth is use silk. (laughs) Oh Yeah, exactly. Okay. Last one is the best parenting advice you've received or have given to someone.
0: I think it's what we covered, which is don't forget to take time for you. Um, I think I feel like somebody at my baby shower there was a mom that had just had a baby and she said Saturday morning she worked full time she said Saturday morning is my morning she said I work out I she was at the baby shower and she said I just it resets me for the week and I really feel like whatever that looks like it could just be a bubble bath you know it might not be that you're taking you know all this time but just not forgetting that you your emotional, physical health and relationships are super
1: important to your role as a mom. I love that. I love that. It's, it's part of the role of being a mom. Well, oh, where can people find you and learn more about you and Clara's health?
0: Yeah, so Claris Health is um, super easy to find. So our website is clarishealth.org, um, or I think Instagram. I think everywhere is just at Claris Health. And then I, you can find me either through the Claris Health website, my email's in there, or Instagram. I think I'm Talitha J. Talitha J. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you, Talitha, so much for um, just sharing your insights with me and having this honest conversation. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and it would mean the world to me if you took a second to rate, review, and follow. It really is the best way to support the show. And don't forget to head over to our Instagram for more parenting tips and inspiration at Bumo Parent. And if you guys are looking for high quality virtual education for your little ones ages one through seven years old, make sure to check out at Bumo Brain on Instagram or go to www.bumobrain.com. We have a wide range of topics that your little ones will surely get so excited about from Dr. Kid to Chef Math to our foreign language program. We have all sorts of languages. Forbes called Boomo Brain the classroom of the future and it really is the best platform for early learners. Go to www.boomobrain.com to learn more.